Hello and welcome to Timeless Truths, a sermon podcast from St. Mark Ministries in Greater Green Bay, Wisconsin. This week we continue our series, Paranormal Reality. In episode 12, let's join Pastor John Parlow as we learn about old world religion. So open up your heart, open up your Bible, and let's dig in to these timeless truths. Welcome. It is great to have you here at uh, St. Mark Ministries as we finish up a a quick two-part series uh, entitled Paranormal Reality, and I'm so glad you joined us uh, for this this study. I think it's going to be very applicable in your life and in mine, and probably answer some questions you have when when this issue is talked about outside the church and certainly inside church world. It's great to have you here. Tom Brady is considered by many to be the GOAT. The greatest of all time. The only quarterback to win seven Super Bowls in the National Football League. He is also famous for having been married to a supermodel, Giselle Buchan. That's, uh, that's not so unusual for a high-profile professional athletes. A lot of them marry supermodels. But what makes this unusual is that this supermodel wife also professes to be a witch. In in an interview conducted during the 2019 NFL season, Tom Brady said this about his then wife. Quote, I've learned a lot from my wife over the years. She's so about the power of intention and believing things that are really going to happen And she always makes a little altar for me at the game because she just wills it so much. So she put together a little altar for me that I could bring with pictures of my kids. I have these little special stones and healing stones and and protective stones. And she has me wear a necklace and take these drops, this potion that she makes and say all of these mantras. So much for all witches looking like this, right? <laughs> Today, we're going to take a look at the third characteristic of the paranormal so you know it when it comes your way, because it will come your way. And then we're going to apply what God, apply what God has taught us to several questions people have and issues with this whole subject matter. We've learned from God's word that we as Jesus followers, we as Christians live in an invisible battlefield, an unseen world filled with spirits, creatures, and their intense activity. One of those spirits is called Satan. Uh, He's a very powerful angel, a good angel gone bad, disobeyed God and rebelled against God. And it's good, the Bible says, for us to know about Satan and his demonic forces because they really have only one purpose. And that is to oppose the will and work of God in this world and in your life. And that brings us to the whole world of the paranormal. Any attempt you make to try to gain insight, influence, or power from anything other than God and his ordained means, means you're playing with the devil and you're trying to work on his side. That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. So, let's go ahead and talk about 
All of the things that uh, we talked about last week are little of them, right? Last week we categorized, uh, had two major categories of the paranormal. The first one we said was this. The disclosure or communication of information unavailable to human beings through normal means. That would involve things like horoscopes and and fortune telling, and if you didn't get a chance to watch last weekend's message, you can go online and watch it. You You need to watch it. We talked a lot about this. The second characteristic of the paranormal is this. People attempting to physically contact the dead, necromancy, or demonic forces. This would involve the attempt to summon a spirit or some dead person through use of a seance or a Ouija board. This also includes trying to conjure up a spirit through a medium. Today we're gonna take a look at the third characteristic of the paranormal, and it is this. To attempt to gain or master paranormal power in order to manipulate or influence other people into certain actions. This would include all forms of witchcraft, sorcery, and the casting of spells. Now, when you hear the word witch or witchcraft, do you conjure up in your mind this picture of someone using the dark arts and dark magic in order to bring harm into someone's life by using the power of demons or the devil himself? That is a very medieval picture of witchcraft. The vast majority of practitioners of witchcraft today, they don't call themselves witches. Rather, they call themselves Wicca or Wiccans. Wicca simply means this. It is to go ahead and use the forces of nature in a way in order to shape and to bend them. Sometimes they'll call themselves neo-pagans. Other times they just call themselves pagans. Wicca is among one of the fastest growing religions in America right now. And although most of them don't like to call themselves witches and they say we don't practice witchcraft, Upon closer inspection of what they do, yeah, they practice witchcraft, they just wear different clothes. Rather than blatantly worship Satan, which they're not against because they'll worship anything and anyone to get control and power, they will tell you that their religion is really a nature religion that is polytheistic. Many gods, many goddesses. Especially they worship the goddess Gaia, Mother Earth, which is a lot of times mentioned in the whole discussion about climate change. They do believe um, a lot what the same New Age movement believes, which is really the same thing, just a different covering. And that is, uh, Wicca believes that in rocks and planets and plants, and especially in crystals, there are spirits, and you can harness their energy for good or for bad. If you want to see that worldview before you on the big screen today, just watch any of the Avatar movies. That's exactly what they teach. That's their theology. Notice there's no mention of sin, just the elevation of self, the elevation of the God within. So why are so many people today in America and probably throughout the world gravitating toward witchcraft? It has to do with the appeal for power. I mean, wouldn't you like to be in control of everything or seemingly think you are? And so the devil knows that. See, witchcraft is not such some benign, 
neutral force out there that you can somehow harness and tap into and manipulate for your own means. It is clearly tied to the demonic. And so any form of it is putting yourself in harm's way because you're, you're trying to contact the demonic in any way that you possibly can. People who are involved in witchcraft and the casting of spells and so on, they begin by trying to seek control. And by the end, they realize they're the ones being controlled. That's witchcraft. So let's go ahead and answer some questions. From what we've learned from God's word on this subject, that people have when this subject is raised, and it should be raised in church world, it absolutely should be. Let's use the, the Christian freedom matrix that we often use, my friends. Um, you'll see that matrix up on the screen. First of all, let's, before we get to that, let's just talk about what the Bible says about, about, um, about witchcraft. Let me just read these passages. From the Old Testament, it says this. Let no one be found among you who practices sorcery, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells. Anyone who does these things is detestable to God, the Lord. Paul warns us with these words. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, idolatry, and witchcraft. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. For this reason, in the very earliest stages of the Christian movement recorded in the book of Acts, what happens is wherever the word of God is shared, wherever God's word about the gospel of Jesus Christ is is proclaimed, there are great confrontations with the paranormal, the occultic, or witchcraft. One severe confrontation is recorded for us in Acts chapter 19, where you have a group of Jewish men who are kind of peddling Jesus' name, trying to make money off of Jesus' name by casting out demons, or at least trying to, and it goes very bad for them on one occasion. It says, they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. So as I said before, they want to go ahead and try to gain control. And those who play in the dark arts seek control and end up being controlled. So let's go ahead and apply what God has given us. And to do so, let's take a look at the Christian freedom matrix you see before you. Whenever Jesus followers like you and me have to make a decision in our lives, or maybe have to decide, are we going to be involved in this activity? We need to first look to God's word because it is truth, right? That's the whole Reformation uh, message. It is his truth. And if you discover that activity is called sin by God, then you avoid it. You don't do it. You're not involved in it. But if you check it out and you see, okay, God permits me to be involved in this, then you move to the next box, which is called Christian freedom. And then you got to ask yourself this question. Is this a good thing for me to be involved in? You consider your personal areas of weakness, because we all got them. 
your life experience, as well as, as well as where your faith is right now. You have to understand as Christians, sometimes there are certain things you just can't do in your life because it would be harmful to you physically, spiritually, and emotionally that maybe other Christians can be involved in. You don't want to do something that's against your conscience or endangers your soul in any way. But let's say you take a look at this and you figure, yeah, for me, I can be involved in this activity. Then you move on to wisdom. Is it wise for me to be involved in this? Is it going to help me help people or maybe harm them? And then you move to the next one if you say, oh, I can go on. Then is it going to help me be a greater light for other people so that they can see Jesus? Or maybe could it cause people who have weaknesses to go ahead and be, uh, be involved in something that could cause them to sin, harm to their soul. Just because you have the Christian freedom to do something doesn't mean that you should do it. So use that a lot of times in, in different areas of your life. So let's apply that to the top three questions I received uh, concerning this subject matter. First one is this. Should I allow my children to read fiction books like Harry Potter, who is the greatest witch of all, the most famous one? Now, if you don't know who Harry Potter is, he's a fictional character. Apparently his parents died when he was young. And he was raised by his aunt and uncle who mistreated him in various ways, including making him live in a cupboard underneath the stairs. As the story goes, at age 11, he discovered he was a wizard and was then invited to the famed Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. That begins adventures that fill seven different books and eight different movies. Now, there are many Christian theologians and Christian authors who simply would take uh, J.K.'s work and put it in the same genre as other writers like C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, other Christian writers, What you may not know is uh, J.K. Rowling is a Christian. She's a professing Christian. And the reason she wrote seven books is because of her hero, C.S. Lewis, who wrote seven books. And so a lot of people have no problem reading those books or having their kids read them. A a lot of uh, Christian theologians and authors will tell you that the magic and the sorcery in those books is very mechanical. It's not occultic in nature. It's really... Uh, a lot, that magic there is a lot like the magic you see in the characters today in the Marvel movies. One expert in this area who I've read a lot and uh, has got some great things to say here is uh, a man named Dr. James Emery White. And he writes this about this series of books. There is absolutely no contact with a supernatural world in the classical form of the occult. In truth... They are simply absolutely, there's uh, simply morality tales, and the magic is used as a metaphor for power. The overarching theme is the fight between good and evil, and that evil is real and must be resisted. The characters develop courage, loyalty, and the willingness towards self-sacrifice. Many will lump them into the fantasy works of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien which ironically every Christian I know embraces, even though there are wizards and witches and magical potions in those stories. But you make the decision. 
there's still people today and parents who don't allow their children to read that series of books. Total transparency, when my kids were young, I didn't allow them to read those books either because I was so involved in ministry in this area to people who were dabbling with the occult. I was very sensitive to that. But you have to make that decision for yourself. Now let's talk about scary movies. Which ones should you go see or stream? Bible has a lot to say about making sure you're careful what you ingest with your eyes. Psalm 101 says this. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. The idea is to avoid setting your eyes on something evil or occultic or uh, watching something that's going to give you an unhealthy interest in the occult or watching something that's going to invite evil in your life that could have been avoided. Now, there's a lot of things that fit into this category, like pornography, obviously. But when it comes to paranormal-themed movies, that's not always so easy. Now, the vast majority of them are trash, terrible theology, and they glorify the occult. You should not watch those. But some of them are theological, whether they're meant to be or not. Some of us that are a little older will remember back in the 1970s, there was a famous movie called The Omen. That was highly theological. Recently, there's another one called Nefarious. I watched it. It was a very good movie. But you have to make that decision. And so what you do is you Google it, right? You go and see the theology involved in that and see if it's something that you want to watch personally. So let's, third, move to the elephant in the room. Halloween. I grew up in the 1960s and 70s in South Central Los Angeles. And every Halloween, I wore a pirate's costume. Why? Because you can run fast in a pirate's costume. And I had a pillowcase so I could get a lot of candy and get as much candy as possible by 9 p.m., the alleged time I was supposed to be home. I am keenly aware of the pagan roots of Halloween just like most of the celebrations we have in America today. In fact, most of our holidays have pagan roots that were Christianized through Christian culture. And I believe that Halloween in some cases can still be a fun celebration for children, but I believe the adults have ruined it. And I also believe it's not as innocent as it once was. That's not only due to the increase of people really being interested in the occult and playing boldly with the occult, but also in the sexualization by adults of Halloween. And I know you've noticed this. A couple years back, there was a very interesting article in the New York Times talking about how adults have ruined Halloween through sexualization. The, the article was entitled, Good Girls Gone Bad for a Day. Stephanie Rosenblum wrote how, in the last 15 years, how the costumes worn by women at parties during Halloween, and probably those by men too, have really become very sexualized. Here's in part what she wrote. Little Red Riding Hood, in her thigh-high boots and miniskirt, does not seem to be en route to her grandmother's house. Goldilocks, in a snug dress, 
and platform heels gives the impression she has been sleeping in everyone's bed. And then there is the witch wearing little more than a Laker girl uniform, a fairy who appears to shop at Victoria's Secret, and a cowgirl with a skirt the size of a, well, you get the point. Rosenbaum notes, the images are more strip club than storybook. Have you ever wondered why the, the Halloween stores that pop up this time of year have a sign on the front door that reads this? No one under 18 allowed without a parent. It's because they are so gory and so occultic and now so sexualized that you have to have parental supervision. So if you decided you're going to celebrate Halloween, make sure you, you dress appropriately, okay? And if you're going to have your children celebrate it, please dress them up as something nice like one of the characters of Despicable Me or Bluey or a crayon or something, okay? I really feel it is important for us as Jesus followers to understand what the Bible says about the world of the paranormal because that's the world in which we live. The Apostle Paul warns us of that when he says in Ephesians, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because that's true, put on the full armor of God, so that when, not if, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and when you have done everything, to stand. Knowing about the reality of the paranormal means we as Jesus followers put our our battle gear on. Paul mentions the belt of truth. It's the truth of God's word that enables us to navigate the storms of lies and deception, ideas and worldviews, options and decisions. It's, it's God's truth that reminds us of what really is true. It reminds us that the devil, John chapter 8, is a father of lies whose chief Scheme is to deceive you and pull you away from Jesus. The faith that Jesus gives you, many of you got it at your baptism, gives you this great confidence. You don't have to walk through this life on eggshells, nervously peering around the next corner for something black and demonic, right? Something like that. No, not that at all. Because of that faith in Jesus, You have the power and presence of God in your life that enables you to boldly go through anything that Jesus allows in your way. And because of Jesus' presence and power in you and working through you, you can go ahead and extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one as he seeks to make you disbelieve, disown, and uh, drift. It's that God-given faith that gives you the peace of knowing that you know who you are? You were always a son or daughter of King Jesus, the victor. He's given you this forgiveness of every sin, including all the foolish times you thought, hey, this isn't gonna hurt me. I can play with the dark side. It's not an issue for me. And because of that forgiveness, you have every morning what you have today, this morning. You have a fresh start. Knowing that you can approach your Savior 
as your Savior. See, you don't need to approach him like so many people do today. They, they, they think, you don't have to approach him as if Jesus is an auditor from the IRS or a highway patrolman sitting in a speed trap or a, an angry parent who needs to be avoided. Rather, if you're a Jesus follower listening to me, here's how you approach your king. Paul said, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him father, dear father. As a Jesus follower, you strike fear in the heart of the evil one. Because of Jesus' presence and power in you and through you, you're a force to be reckoned with. So stay strong in the word. Stay regular in worship. Prepare for battle. It's going to come your way. There is more ground to be taken back from the evil one. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Timeless Truths. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, we're glad you could join us. For more information or to support the work of St. Mark Ministries, check out our website at stmarkministries.com. And be sure to tune in next week as we kick off a brand new series, Home Life, Broken to Blessed. And remember, you matter and you are loved.